Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I saw that over the weekend on uh, the Saturday edition of the Today Show, one meteorologist had a cough coming on, and she did her best to fight through it. Well, our friends out west have lucked out with dry conditions and mild conditions out towards the Rockies, and of course we're seeing that winter storm that's going to impact the East Coast. <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and take a look at the forecast. Smart getting a little bit of water, and she will be back with more in just a bit. She sounds like the captain of a Norwegian cruise. Uh, I, at first, it looked like she was just overcome with the emotion at the sight of a cold front. So, and then I, I promised myself it wouldn't do this. So. In, in fairness to those of us in the broadcasting profession, what are we supposed to do if we get a little bit of liquid down the wrong pipe? There needs to be, like the international symbol for choking, there needs to be a separate one for Something went down the wrong pipe. Yeah. This actually would be handy because with my with your kids, you wonder, do I need to jump up and save my kids from dying right now, or did they just get a tiny bit of milk down the wrong pipe and they're fine? It just their eyes are watering and they're coughing like crazy. Right? Yeah, ex- exactly. That would be handy. But every performer who speaks into a microphone in any realm should have a cough button. I mean, it's so handy. What are you going to do as a TV meteorologist? You're going to have a big giant novelty button there, and you press it and you just stand there in your short skirt until you're done coughing well no you've probably got a lavalier mic or do they talk into like the hangy downy mics i don't on, know. Uh, i don't know uh, but d- d- you got a little battery pack you got a wire you got to be able to cut that signal <laughs> <laughs> nobody wants to hear that instead you use ladies and gentlemen the cough button do i have a cough button it's over in front of you there it is which one is it is it the mute? Uh, yeah, I think. I, it's Let me, I'm going to press it. There you go. Yeah, apparently That's the one. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, poor uh, gal. Um, She's now viral for having a virus. The left eating its own. The homeless industrial complex. I don't know how you want to look at this story. But Kevin DeLeon, De L.A. City Councilman, is a lefty. Way lefty. Yeah, he was a big, big figure in state politics for a long time until he turned out. And because he can't make an honest living, he's now doing that, uh, local politics. Yeah, we've talked about him for years in California. He's a he's one of your, like, super progressive lefties. He's now the right-winger in this story. <laughs> Great, Scott. So he has, uh, with the help of other people and on the L.A. City Council, gotten a number of homeless people into hotel rooms. I am not a fan of this policy. I think all you're going to do is end up California going from having half the nation's homeless to all the nation's homeless. But regardless, he's getting challenged by homeless advocates who say he's pursuing a policy of banishment for L.A.'s unhoused. Uh, what now? Uh... Yeah, he says to see people trying to sabotage and undermine when work should be infuriating to all Angelinos. Activists had denounced those remarks, saying they are untrue and unsupported by any evidence. De Leon's statements represent just one example of the aggressive messages being adopted by mayoral candidates about the homelessness crisis. I'm sorry, can you say what he said again? That quote? Um, 
He's pursuing a uh, policy of banishment. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Okay. I just did like 10 seconds ago. You said something I didn't understand. Okay. Because he's getting people into hotels to get him off the right. street. Right. At okay. taxpayer expense. It's that whole plan of housing first. Yeah, exactly. Which yeah. seems crazy to me. But they, they're angry at him for that. Now I am confused. Um, one councilman is uh, proposing that uh, there be a ballot measure barring camping in L.A.'s public spaces. This is all part of the mayoral race, and I'm, I, I'm all for that. I think that is absolutely fantastic. Um, Karen Bass uh, is running. She unveiled her plan last week for removing street encampments, which she says cannot uh, we cannot tolerate in Los Angeles open-air drug trafficking and violence that's hidden behind the tents. So I'm liking that so many of these candidates are sounding like me on... Uh, on this homeless issue, because they recognize that everybody, and I mean everybody, except for these wackadoodles I'm about to mention, have had it. You know, the show having, uh, the Armstrong and Getty show having sprung up uh, from the nourishing arms of Sacramento and its its fabulous populace, uh, we've followed California state politics for a very long time. And it's it's so crazy for me to hear the names, Kevin DeLeon, Karen Bass, these people being cited as the common sense you know, moderate conservatives on the scene. This is disorienting, but go on. De Leon is accusing Street Watch Los Angeles, that's a group formed in part by the local chapter of Democratic Socialists of America, ah. of, of attempting to dissuade people from accepting rooms at the L.A. Grand. It's a hotel that has been converted into a temporary homeless shelter. Those activists, said De Leon, uh, have advised people not to accept rooms at the various... Housing locations. I'm guessing the L.A. Grand isn't so grand anymore. De Leon said that at one point last month, his staffers informed him of at least two homeless people who had been offered $20 to stay on the sidewalk. Oh, I get this. One of those bribe offers, he said, was made last month by a person who identified himself as a representative of Street Watch. What's happening is that Kevin De Leon... Uh, Kevin DeLeon's staffers are coercing people against their will into temporary shelters that are not always a good fit for them. We're out there reminding people that unhoused people deserve self-determination over their own lives and should be able to choose what's best for them. How do you like that? Yeah, yeah, I I get it. I get it. Um, It it reminds me of the, uh, is it the Cloward? Piven strategy, it's one of your uh, poli-sci things, is that you, you've got, you can't let the relief valve go on a crisis. You've got to keep building pressure, building pressure, building pressure. You don't want a partial solution. You want the system to break. If you're and a then, socialist. Then you'll move on to the socialist utopia. So the idea of getting people off the street and out of view, that's a terrible idea because that will relieve pressure on the system and you're not going to have your revolution. So you don't buy the idea that it's just uh, they, they, they feel like homeless people need to be able to make their own decisions? Putting in the housing is, uh, well, I'll read more from the Street Watch organizer, organ, organizer describing L.A. Grand, this uh, old hotel where they're putting the homeless, as a quasi-prison, pointing out that residents have a nighttime curfew, are barred from having guests, and regularly have their rooms searched. Oh, you mean there's rules? There's some rules for staying there. You don't get to just do whatever the hell you want, like you do out on the street, where you can do drugs and party all night long and steal stuff and beat people. As the, yeah. tax, as the taxpayers support you for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I get it. These are, It's you know classic Marxism-Leninism. The, the proletariat are too stupid 
to adopt this on their own. We have to force it on them. And if if there's a solution to the crisis, well, then the crisis isn't going to be the tool we need it to be. You got to make the crisis worse. One homeless guy said um, outreach workers have uh, tried to convince him to move to the L.A. Grand. He said, I have no interest in living in a facility with a prohibition on smoking and a ban on guests and a 10 p.m. curfew. There's no freedom. That's like going to prison. Well, yeah, and we've talked to folks who have great experience, whether as homeless folks or homeless advocates working with them, et cetera. They point out that the tent, the tent encampment is the perfect place to do meth. You have your own cozy little space. You have zero rules. You score drugs on the street. You get high all day. You go back to your tent. It's, it, it is a junkie encampment. If These are need, not poor, unfortunate homeless people. They're junkies. If you need a couple of bucks to get your ne- next meth hit, you go over and steal that kid's bicycle or whatever. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You long, range around long, town till you find an unlocked garage door. How long are we going to put up with this idea, though, that people living out on the street, making it scary for you to walk into a store or a store owner impossible for him to do his job or the park someplace you can't take your kids because they've determined, you know, I like this lifestyle better than if they put me over there. If they put me over there in that hotel, you know, they make you go to bed at 10 and I'm not allowed to have guests and I can't smoke. So I like it better here in the park. Sorry, but sorry you can't bring your kids here to the park that your tax money freaking paid for. How long are we going to put up with this? I know it. I know it. It's self-evident to so many of us. God, that's crazy. So now, and I know for a lot of you around the country, you don't know the name, but when Kevin DeLeon is the moderate in the story, holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, this fits in beautifully. Uh, this is one of my favorite handfuls of emails we've ever gotten from any listener in our long, bitter, disappointing career. <laughs> this is from Cheryl, who opens by saying, I've listened to you guys for decades, which is, you know, something. Thank you so much. But wait, there's more. All right. And, and there's a timeline here. It's Thursday, Friday, uh, Saturday. We get these emails. Thursday, I've listened to you guys for decades. It's amazing how effing dumb you guys have gotten. (laughs) Yeah, all homeless are on meth, you idiots. Then on Friday, she sends us a link to the Seattle is Dying documentary. And on Saturday writes, I was wrong. Apologies. It's amazing how effing dumb you guys have gotten. Two days later, I was wrong. Apologies. Hmm. But, you know, I admire that. Yeah. Well, you have to speak in, uh, what, do you, what do you call those words? Greatest, grandest. Uh, hyperbole? Uh, uh, hyperbole, but uh, what's, what's the Hyperbolish is the language of the modern era. What's the English word for uh, when you're using words that are the most of something of the. Uh... Oh, oh, superlatives? Yeah. Yeah, you have to speak in superlatives in social media, apparently. Yeah, I guess so. Although, you know, Cheryl apologized. Accepted, Cheryl. Thanks. No mm. worries. I, we all have our, our temper tantrums now and again. Yeah. Um. And, and by the way, I would never for a second say all homeless are on meth. In fact, we've gone to quite a bit of trouble to make it clear we don't mean everybody. There are plenty of people who are the classic homeless story, and there are programs for them, and I hope they're taking advantage they're of them. The they're, they're, they're the they minority. They're the minority. But they are a tiny minority. The visible homeless, the camps that you see, those are effing junkies. And I will stand by that no matter how many nasty emails and or Twitter messages you send. Still might be true that I've gotten stupider over the years. That's not uh, out of the realm of possibility. Uh, we have many other things. If you haven't heard the whole story about China claiming they got their Omicron from Canadian mail. 
I, I don't did. think that's a thing, Chairman Xi. But we got a bunch of stuff on the way. Text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The games have been dubbed the Genocide Games against the backdrop of China's persecution of Uyghurs. Congressman McCall says he believes they should go ahead, but hopes the athletes will stand up. I don't think we should punish the athletes, but I do think the athletes are going to stand up in solidarity, hopefully, against these human rights violations. And I hope they take home the gold, too. Others, though, believe sport should be the focus and that it can overshadow all the rest. We have a low point in relations between China and the U.S. and you have COVID. So if the sports can rise above all of that, I, th- I think it will say something amazing about the power of sports. <sighs> what would China have to do to make it clear that it's not a good idea for the world to uh, give them the platform of the Olympics and go there? So you got, you know, we know all the stuff about the the Uyghurs and the slaves and this and that and stealing our intellectual property. And they started the whole freaking COVID thing and lied about it. They're being bent on world domination, please. Being bent on world (laughs) domination. That's a pretty big thing. Um, They're still lying about it. They're still lying about it. Yesterday, they announced the one case that they have in Beijing of Omicron came in on a piece of mail from Canada. Oh, for they uh, traced bullshit. they traced it back. <laughs> they figured out the person that had the Omicron. Uh, the one person, because that's a thing, one person getting Omicron, sure. And, sure. Uh, and they got it from a piece of mail that came from Canada. So conveniently, once again, they get to blame it on the West. So they're lying as of yesterday about the COVID. Well, and it's a six-year-old with chocolate all over his face denying he ate the chocolate chip cookies levels of lying, too. I mean, it's just... Well, and the Wall Street Journal took the time to quote a whole bunch of different scientists saying, while early on in the pandemic, people believed that COVID could be spread on surfaces, we have since learned that that's very difficult to do. It's dang near impossible. You pretty much have to have somebody who's got COVID cough into their hand, put their hand on a doorknob and then you within like 10 seconds you need to put your hand on that doorknob and then jam it in your eyes that's pretty much the only way you could get it the idea that it could hang around on a piece of mail for the four days it takes to travel from canada to beijing and give somebody the COVID, it's impossible um i can't get mail from two states away in four days by the way what is what's going on there so there's but to me the thing is they're still flat out bald-faced uh, uh, unembarrassed at all, lying. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know. I just can't get over the dopiness of it. Mail from Canada, nobody thinks that. Yeah, but to me, it's the it's like when Saddam Hussein says, I got 100% of the vote. Or uh, Kim Jong-un says, you know, or his dad says, I, you know, I shot uh, an 18 on a, on a round of golf. I mean, it's it's almost saying, look, I'm so powerful. I can make up a complete load of crap, and you're going to put up with that. I feel yes. like that's what China's doing, and yeah, we're it's, putting it's an up act with of it. Humiliation slash submission, right? But why yeah. are we putting up with it? 
I I don't know. I I don't know. I'm sure our people are saying no, no that no he didn't. No, it's not one. You're lying. But what are we going to do? Boycott the games or what? What what response would you have? It's Putin with scoring six goals in a hockey game. <laughs> he is a fat old guy. <laughs> you know, getting back to that clip we played and I don't know who the gal was who said if if that can make us forget and just celebrate the Olympics, that will really <laughs> show the power of sport. You're using your voice. What voice? What? Um. So, uh, but my question to her is the power of sport to do what? To change the trajectory? No, it won't. To cover up lies? To bring people together? To No, it won't. It's just entertainment. And I'm in the top, like, 20% of humanity, I think, in terms of being a huge fan of the Olympics throughout my entire life. I love it. Winter games, summer games, I've been a huge and enthusiastic fan. Even thinking about the Olympic games, I get excited. Okay. It doesn't have the power to do squat, really. No. I mean, if you got a couple of countries who are inclined to be friendly toward each other, yeah, there's a high five and a hug and shaking hands on the platform and the rest of it. And it's nice. It's nice. It's fine. But in terms of, like, bringing adversaries together and saying, I'm so sorry I contemplated invading the Sudetenland. What was I thinking? Yeah. I have Come bad on. news. I have bad news for sophomore high school me. Music can't transcend politics. Sports can't transcend politics. None of those things, flowery, flowery novels, poems, none of that stuff can transcend politics. Sorry. Nope. Just Brutality. Doesn't. If you miss an hour of the show, armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. The thing that was frustrating was we were all frantically trying to get her off, and she was on top of her car taking selfies. You know, we got her to shore, and that's why in one of the videos you see me, and I I feel bad now, like we pulled her in. As soon as she was to shore, I just let go and and walked to shore just to cool down because she was smiling ear to ear. And as soon as she got to shore, I said, look, you know, what what the hell are you doing? And she's like, that was fun. And I don't think she realizes how lucky she is. So what's that story? Uh, that story is the woman falls in, uh, driving, car goes into the river, rescuers go and rescue her. They get her out of the car. So as she's up, she decides she's going to start taking selfies as she's being rescued. And, uh, yeah. I get it. Because if it, if it isn't on probably TikTok for a young woman, uh, if it isn't on social media, it didn't happen. So I get it. Car plunged into the Darwin River there, and sounds like the uh, brave first responders cheated the great scientist out of his just reward. Yikes, yikes. So a lot of good stuff to come. We have a tsunami of wokeness uh, next hour. Also, um, a, uh, a growing awareness uh, still on this beat of the radical prosecutors and what they have wrought. Uh, so stay with us for that. And this is, we, yes. we now know... The maximum number of sushi rolls you can eat at once. It's 31. We now know that. I will tell you how we know coming up later. So much vomiting. 31. 31's the maximum. Don't try to go farther than that. I won't. Trust me. So this is a bit of a uh, COVID curiosity. My wife has the vid, by the way. Uh, positive, so I'm working from the home studio today, but um, she seems to be fine. She had what she described as uh, she feels like she has a weird cold. 
which is exactly what it felt like to me. It felt like a cold, but there was just, and I couldn't figure out, was it my own imagination because I knew it was COVID? Or it, it just it just had some weird elements to it that were different than anything you've ever had before. But. Yeah, it was cold adjacent, if you will. But anyway, uh, since the pandemic began the last couple of years, our birth rate in the United States has cratered to its lowest ever, as far as they can tell. Oof. In China, births plunged 15%. France saw the fewest babies born since World War II, like during World War II. Well, I said this the other day. I've never been a believer in who would believe, bring a kid into this world. And it was, you know, with the Iraq War or whatever whatever was going on. It always seemed yeah. so stupid to me. I could actually see if my wife and I had been planning to have a kid the way we did and the pandemic hit saying let's wait let's wait and see what happens here well right yeah uh, the the spoutings and musings of lefty soft heads about who would bring a child into this world is uniformly dumb but i get what you're saying there was fear and disease about well i documented uh the u.s and europe and asia and the rest of it but wait a minute wait a damned minute meanwhile the nordic countries denmark Norway, Sweden, Finland, Iceland have all maintained their birth rates at least, and in fact, several of them are in the midst of a pandemic baby boom. Interesting. Which some people had predicted, and I remember, Jack, you were particularly harsh in saying that's not going to happen. People at home, because of a rampant disease, are not suddenly going to forget about birth control and start reproducing. Doesn't make sense to me. And you were right in the vast majority of the world, but after a staggering 16.5% more births than normal in the second quarter of 2021... Um, they've struggled to increase capacity in their uh, maternity wards in Iceland. I wonder how you explain that. Finland, 7% leap in births. Denwick and, uh, Denmark and Norway, rather, have experienced uh, 3 to 5% bumps. Sweden is up a little. How, how do you explain it? It's easy. Because everybody's so damn good looking in, in the Nordic <laughs> regions. Everybody's so damned pretty. I mean, you, you picture some Swedish couple. They're quarantined in her home. He looks at her. He says, you look like a Victoria's Secret model. She says, you look like one of the guys from ABBA. You want to make the narwhal with two backs? And they'd come on. Bring it. Oh, do I? Right now. Let's do it. I just don't Please. know. I just don't know anybody that decides to have children or another child based on these things. <laughs> the sexy, sexy Nordic countries. You got the Aurora Bora Cialis up there. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Please, oh, I'm locked hey in my, the, with my Swedish Come wife. Come on, that's Jay Leno right there. It's a tough crowd here tonight. I'm locked in a, an apartment with my hot Swedish wife. Please, what else are we gonna do? I'm tired of Netflix, honey. You wanna, you know, have some coitus? Uh, well, yes, I do. She'd say in a fantasy I'll be indulging in later. Uh, anyway, uh, so I thought that was interesting. Defying the rest of the world and having a baby boom. So I don't even know, probably should. Are those countries that shut down more than we did or less than we did? Because oh, I man, wonder if that has in my memory bank. Because I'm wondering if that has something to do with it. I think in general, less. That's my uh, memory of it too. But I could yeah. be wrong. Yeah, I wonder. But uh, for it to go up mid-teens is crazy. Yeah. Anyway, moving along, we've long had a policy on our show, including when we were just a local show in, in one market, that we don't bring individual stories of horror to you. You know, something terrible happened to a child or a brutal crime or whatever, unless there is greater significance to it. 
Because we don't like fear porn, we don't like horror porn, and just grim misery. Who would want to listen to that? The number of people getting murdered by junkie vagrants around the country. Well, I I tell you what, I'm going to start that sentence again. We are finally paying attention to and publishing stories about people murdered by junkie vagrants around the country. I mean, and there have been so many lately. Uh, the poor uh, Asian lady pushed in front of the subway train in, in Manhattan, or New, I guess it was, well, it was New York City. Um, uh, junkie crazy guy. Um, the UCLA, Who had been arrested before. Yeah, for acts of violence. Yeah, there, there are a bunch of these stories. Here is this 24-year-old UCLA grad student fatally stabbed by a random maniac at a high-end furniture store in Los Angeles. Croft House on North La Brea Avenue for Los Angelinos. Uh, stranger walks in, ooching about, believed to be a homeless junkie, stabbed her to death, fled through the back door, walked calmly down an alley. Remember my story from a couple of weeks ago where the uh, crazy homeless guy was in the grocery store and started yelling at us? And uh, I just stopped in my tracks, didn't know what to do, and he turned the other way, and we kind of dashed that way, and luckily he left the store. Eh, that's the sort of thing that happens in the nowadays. And uh, he could have stabbed me, just like that poor girl there. Right. So how many dangerous-looking, scary vagrants did you have in your hometown, in your park, in your business district 15 years ago? Or even the, how town, many you got I, now? Even the town I live in now, 10 years ago. Right, right. Uh, his, her dad, obviously, is heartbroken. Oh, he slammed God. local politicians as too lenient, saying yeah. crime has been rampant. Well, there's all kinds of cultural things going on there. There's the... Um, uh, decriminalizing crime so you can just commit crime after crime. I don't know what this person's background is, but um, crime after crime after crime and be out. Um, the idea that no business person could say to an the sort of person that's obviously not a customer, obviously not somebody you want in your store, you could never kick them out in the modern right. world. Right. Yeah, they don't have this guy yet, though. As of uh, press time, they hadn't apprehended him yet. Uh, said the, the grieving father, I think our city leaders need to make smarter decisions about what they do with criminals and how they incarcerate them. I get it. There's a lot of racial injustice. But it doesn't change the fact that somebody who's doing evil shouldn't just get a slap on the wrist. Unfortunately, this is what we're seeing right now. I'll be shocked if when they catch this person, if he doesn't have a, uh, a, a record, a history of this sort of thing. Uh, by Not the way, this Dad, sort of thing. He probably didn't stab somebody to death before, but, you know, being violent. Oh, I'll, I can practically guarantee you're right. And our sincere condolences go to the family. It's just horrible. terrible. Meanwhile, London Breed, the mayor of San Francisco, who is a lefty. She is such a lefty. She is now increasingly at war with the Marxist uh, DA, uh, Chesso Bodine, in San Francisco. She's accused white progressives of projecting essentially academic beliefs on the black residents after the fallout from George Floyd, criticizing them once again. She was on a podcast. She was asked about her emergency declaration in the Tenderloin District, San Francisco, which has gone from kind of sketchy but in a colorful way not very long ago to just flat effing dangerous. Right. Um, she was asked about her emergency declaration in the Tenderloin and the backlash she got from Marxist D.A. Chesa Bodine and others who argued that an increased police presence would not improve uh, conditions. Hilarious. I'm reminded of George Gascon. We cannot prosecute our way out of the discontent. We cannot 
prosecutor Wade out of the desperation that we have. Nobody's suggesting that, you commie idiot. Anyway, Breed said her own, quote, experience of growing up in poverty and growing up in war zones similar to the Tenderloin informed her decision-making process. She said a lot of people, a lot of people like members of the board of supervisors, like Bodine, did not grow up in poverty in San Francisco. They did not grow up in these kind of conditions. They have a theory as to what they believe based on their ideology, but they're also white. Why she had to take nah. it racial, I do not know. Because there are plenty of white people, dear, who grow up in really rough neighborhoods, including the ones you're referring to, grew up in poverty, and they're every bit the realists as you. There's no reason to be a racist, London. Anyway, uh, they're not people who've had these ultimate, unfortunately traumatizing experiences in communities where there's not trust with the police, but there's also a desire to be safe, right? And I've worked many years growing up in this community to really turn that around because of the violence. Um, she's talking about these ideological, college-educated, theoretical, uh, you know, philosophers who believe they know how to achieve a utopia, but of course they have no grounding in reality. And then finally, this from the New York Post, uh, Tom Hogan wrote this, and I think it's really, really good. He says, one of the most puzzling conundrums about uh, progressive prosecutors who favor de-prosecution, de-incarceration, is to ascertain their motives. What are these elected chief prosecutors thinking when they unilaterally decide not to enforce the law? And why, even as murders increase in the big cities they police, do they continue to support these policies without shame? Let's consider the options. Are they racists? One of the biggest arguments from the left today is disparate impact is in itself an indication of racism. If fewer African-American children are graduating from high school, for instance, the system must be racist. If more black people are behind bars, the system must be racist. He flips it on its head, though, and he points out in Philadelphia, homicides have exploded from a low of 248 murders seven years ago, 248 to 562 in 2020, a new all-time record. The numbers are still coming together for 2021. The victims of this violence are almost entirely people of color living in the poorest sections of the city. Progressive prosecutor Larry Krasner is overseeing policies and programs that are corresponding with the deaths of hundreds of people of color every year, from children to young men to the elderly. All evidence suggests Krasner does not care he would change his policies. So does he just like black people dying? Well, he would say no, of course. Are they fiscal conservatives? And he points out how expensive it is to investigate prosecute, convict, and incarcerate a murderer. And he makes the point rather uh, sarcastically that Chicago progressive prosecutor Kim Fox is a prime example. Homicides have gone through the roof under a watch, but the clearance rate is plunging. It's around 44% now. Thus, Fox saved Chicago more than $7 billion in one year. While the victims' families may be disappointed, Fox has wisely, wisely overlooked their selfish viewpoint. And there's more to this. Maybe we ought to talk about it on the other side of the break. He asks, are they insane? And he brings us a couple of examples. What the hell are they thinking? So the new governor of Virginia, Glenn Youngkin, said uh, parents should be in charge of uh, what their kids learn. And Democrats sat silent during that speech. Um, we got to get to that because that's pretty good. Fairly shocking. Well, what he said was just so obviously true and benign maybe yeah. you agree maybe you don't we'll play the controversial statement for you coming up also armstrong and getty
Armstrong and Getty Show. What you see on Dr. Fauci, this is what people say to me, that he doesn't represent science to them. He represents Joseph Mengele, Dr. Joseph Mengele, uh, the, doc- the Nazi doctor who did experiments on Jews. Hmm. Uh, we, 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 that struck us as pretty over the top at the time when a friend of the Armstrong and Getty show, the much admired by us, Laura Logan, formerly of 60 Minutes, now got her own show. Laura Logan has no agenda on Fox Nation. Anyway, uh, she got dropped by her talent agency for the whole Fauci is like Dr. Mengele comparison. Yeah, that was way over the top. Oh, yeah, that was. And, and I read your emails you sent at the time. I don't buy your reasoning. Thank you. No, anyway. no, no, no. Way over the top. Way, way, way over the top. Um, He's a self-important windbag who sponsored gain-of-function research. But gain-of-function research, as opposed to Dr. Mengele's experiments, could be justified on some level, whether you agree with it or not. So... Uh... We've got a lot of super smart tech people that listen to this show just because of where we're located, where we're based out of, and it's always been handy. Um, to well, have, and because we're intellectual giants. To have Silicon Valley in your backyard. Um, the 5G takes off tomorrow, the, the faster phone service, and it's going to ground planes all across the country, and I feel like this is a really underreported story, or I'm missing something. But if you know anything about that, what's going on? We got this text. The 5G signal in the U.S. is twice as powerful compared to the 5G in France. This is why they were able to implement it in Europe without worry about conflict with airports. That could be true. Could not be true. I don't have any idea. Um, but the 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 the, the uh, airlines, the aviation lobby said services will cause incalculable disruption to passengers and cargo tomorrow. If they don't figure out something around this or don't delay it. I'm sorry. Did you say tomorrow? (laughs) (laughs) And we're dealing with this today. I know. Like I said earlier, who's running this? Me? (laughs) Airlines for America, an industry lobby group, wrote to officials in the Biden administration, including Pete Buttigieg, and warned of the potential for 5G services to ground aircraft all across the nation. And uh, so there you go. You know, if that happened and boot edge edge, they say edge edge. Boot edge edge. So if, if he were, you know, asleep at the switch, how uh, par for the course would that be for the Biden administration this month? True. So uh, AT&T and Verizon were supposed to roll out 5G services back on December 5th. That's why there was so much talk about 5G and then it kind of just disappeared. It was supposed to be December 5th, but it got delayed to allow time for all this safety stuff to get dealt with. And they bumped it back to January 19th, which is looking at my watch tomorrow. Uh, And they believe it may ground commercial airlines and cargo flights all across America. So I don't know. I don't get this story. If you know more about it, text us 415-295-KFTC, 415-295-KFTC. 31 is the maximum number of sushi rolls you can eat safely. It would seem, according to this Danielle Shapiro, 24, who wanted to get all her money's worth at an all-you-could-eat sushi buffet. As my brother always says at a buffet, I'm going to win. (laughs) Or as he gets up from the table feeling sick, I won. <laughs> Jack and I, very early in our careers, when we were young, hungry men with fast metabolisms, used to go to this all-you-can-eat Chinese buffet for lunch. And poor, and, that factored in. Oh, yeah, yeah, poor as hell. And then, uh, and the running joke was that the owners would race to the front door when they saw us coming to try to lock it before we hit the front door <laughs> because they knew their profits for the day would disappear. <laughs> 
So anyway, she did a $50 all-you-could-eat sushi buffet in Mountain View, California last month, and uh, she ate 32 rolls of sushi and had to be rushed to the hospital. So apparently 31 (laughs) is the max. That's just science, Jack. She had stomach pains, it says here. I'll be darned. Really? That's that's insane. She, uh, they got a picture of her? Uh, there's a video that is out, I, but I haven't looked at it. I got to believe she's a, uh, you know, a good girl to cling to in a high wind, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I mean, if, you know. <laughs> if your boat's riding too high, you need a little ballast. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I do know what you're saying. Um... I was wondering about what's going on with North Korea's missiles they're firing off. Got some more information on that, finally, uh, to kick off Hour 3. We'll get to that. It's freaking frightening. There are so many hot spots in the world right now. This is a very unsteady time. What did Ian Bremmer tell us the other day? How long was it going to be before Iran was at the no-turn-back point of getting a nuclear weapon? Four weeks? Well, yeah, I think he said if they decided to flip the switch, uh, they could have, uh, you know, they could be at that critical point within four weeks. You got Russia, Ukraine, you got China, you got North Korea finding off, firing off hypersonic missiles every other day. I don't know. You're, you're mongin' fear. I'm calm. I live in America. I'm feeling fine. All right. If you miss an hour of the show, grab the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty.